Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. And us as a church as we move forward in this space in Jesus' Name. Thank you for being with us, guys. We love you. Well, right across this place, grab your seat, every campus. Are you feeling good? Come on, let's ask for one thing. The more vibrant, faith-filled you are, the faster I preach. So are you filled with faith today? Okay, there we go. Fantastic. Limitations, frustrations and expectations. Today I want to talk into them. I want to talk into limitations. Who reckons sometimes your kids have selective hearing? Has your kids? I found the cure for selective hearing. I took my youngest to a doctor and um, he was ignoring us, it seemed a fair, a little bit too often. We'd talk to him, he'd be on his device, he'd be playing with his toys, he'd be playing basketball, he'd be on the trampoline, we'd call him and he wouldn't listen. And we thought, surely it can't be us, it's got to be something else going on. And we took him to the doctor and it turns out he had an enormous amount of wax lodged in his ears. And we tried to get it out, we tried the olive oil, they tried a suction thing. We actually had to take him to hospital this week and take him in there and they just put him under for a little bit and they scraped it out. And even the doctor was shocked at the amount of wax that was in his ears. Now, I don't know if it was self-inflicted or just life, but either way, we tested it and we whispered to him from across the room, not looking at him, mouth covered, Jordan, do you want ice cream? And he's like, yes. And we're like, now we know for sure it's over. (laughs) We've cured it. Limitations sometimes come. That's life. I wanna, if you're frustrated, that's a question. Who feels at the moment some things in life are frustrating you? Just a show of hands, right across the campus, let's interact. Uh, who, who feels limited? Who's, who feels like there's limitations put in some area of your life? Might be money, health, family, freedoms. What do you feel? You feel limited? That's the feeling you get at the moment. And, and the truth is, I wanna talk to you about this because a God who is limitless, amen? Yeah. Oh, very convincing. A God who is limitless in the Salisbury campus, Amen. Everyone, God who's limitless can do anything. Anything is possible will sometimes limit you. A God will, our God who is good will sometimes limit you, sometimes say no to you, sometimes say not now to you, sometimes say not in that way to you. And a God who is limitless will say no and that is what makes Him good. What I've learned is that you never restrict God with your no, but when God restricts you, don't you say no. The story of Gideon is one of a man who came from the least family and the least tribe in the least nation and God called him to be a leader into battle. He had no, there was no logical reason why Gideon would be the leader of Israel against the Midianites. Yet God came and called him to go into battle and Gideon rallies the nation's army and there's 32,000 men, 32,000. Yet God says, I want to reduce this army to 300. Is God good, church? But when God limits, is He still good? When God limits your life in a seemingly unfair, unpredictable or unusual, illogical way, maybe is God in 
the plan because he is sovereign, he sees the bigger picture, and he is good. We all experience limitation. I'm not just talking about going to make a coffee and all there is is almond milk. There's no way I'm having that. Or, Or when you get rid of all the sweet stuff out of your house, but then you get a craving, you look, and it's nowhere to be found because you made a wise decision. We all experience real life limitation. If you're an employer, sometimes you need more staff, but you can't afford more staff. If you're an employee, you need a greater wage, but you don't have that wage you need. Sometimes you need more favour. Sometimes you need more opportunity. Sometimes you just want to have the confidence of being able to book a holiday, but who knows if the borders are going to be open. This life is filled with small and seemingly unimportant and major limitations, and that's life. I mean, the Tower of Babel is a story of a people that had no limitation, so God put one on them. In life, you know you're guaranteed frustration, right? I reckon in 2022, we live our life in our modern consumeristic, everything has a solution, there's always a way through way of living. We are convinced we should never be frustrated. And the moment we get frustrated, we try to find an answer as quick as we can. Come on, am I talking to anyone today? But just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean you'll be frustrated. It's like a Kermit the Frog moment. You'll be frustrated because Jesus was frustrated. Now, Hebrews tells us that we have a high priest that relates to all of our weaknesses. Jesus was frustrated a lot. I mean, at 12 12 years old, his parents forgot him and lost him. Now, for any of the parents that's ever lost their kid, you know what that's like, but they forgot him for three days. He's not any kid, he's God. You you don't lose that one, right? And they lose him for three days. Early on, Jesus gets frustrated. Jesus' early ministry teaches 5,000 people about love, generosity, and kindness to your neighbour, and then says to everyone, has anyone got some food to share? And all they can get is two fish and five loaves. I mean, Jesus knew what it was like for no one to listen to his teaching. Connect group leaders, it's not just you sometimes. And then later on, he does the same miracle for 4,000. And then a few days later, his disciples get on a boat and they start freaking out because they forgot bread. And Jesus is like, are you guys even watching what's going on? In Mark, it clearly shows us he was frustrated with people's hardness of hearts. Two times he's on a boat and a storm comes and the disciples freak out. And both times he had to say, you have little faith. I mean, he goes to his own hometown and no one wants to listen to him. They should be the ones to listen to him. One minute, minute, his lead intern, Peter, says, you are the Messiah. And Jesus is is like, ding, 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 change of name. On this rock, I'll build the church. And then a moment later, he's having to say, get behind me, Satan. I mean, he's seeing Peter drop the ball right in front of his eyes. In Gethsemane, he's made dinner for everybody. He's cooked, he's made it, he's prepared it, he's taught them and he goes to the garden and he's literally about to die for them. And as he's about to die for them, they fall asleep and he's like, boys, can you not stay awake with me for an hour? Come on, lift your hands right across every campus. If lately you've experienced frustration, welcome to the club. It's cold being a human. And while we're frustrated, and this season is extra frustrating, I'm gonna keep speaking into it, not because I'm looking at the problem, because I wanna overcome the reality you see with a supernatural reality. This is what I'm seeing. While people are coming to church and doing life in masks, too many spiritually aren't wearing their mask over their mouth, they're wearing their mask over their eyes. This is how so many people are living right now. And I've tested, he can't see. He can't see a thing, right? And what's going on 
in this life is that we're limited and frustrated and we can't see. And we read in the Word in, in Proverbs that where people lose vision, they perish. Now, this word perish doesn't mean die, but it means to lose your way. Too many people are living but they've lost their vision for what God has for their life and they lose their way because there's all these blockages. The truth is, as you live your life, there's gonna be blockages that frustrate you and seemingly limit you from the flow of what you want to happen in your life. So I've got some of these frustrations. We've got, well, we've got frustration and, and we've got limitation and we've got isolation and we've got incubation. I couldn't think of another Asian, so I went with constipation, but it... <laughs> It's a blockage and uh, there's doubt and there's fear and there's worry and there's loss. And what happens is we've got a destiny that God's got for us. And I'm gonna put you here, Gillian. I'm gonna face you towards me. And I want you to make your way towards me. It's God calling you. I've got blessing. I've got favour. I've got promises. I've got good for your life. And the problem is when you can't see your way through, all of these things crowd in on you and make it impossible for you to seek out what God has for you your life. And what God wants to do is get in the middle of your circumstances, remove the mask from your eyes so you can make a way through all of your limitation and frustration and get to your destiny. Love you. Take a seat. Give it up for these people. Now, it's a silly example. But I want to tell you as a church that you may be frustrated and limited in this season, but it is time to get your eyes off the lack. It's time to get your eyes off the doubt. It's time to get your eyes off the frustration and get your faith in His Word, to stand on His promises, to get your hunger back. Come on, church, it's time across every campus to get your hunger back, to get your vision back, to get your praise back. Even now you're sitting there watching me. Your spirit has to rise when you begin to Remember, He is good and He's got good for me. Come on, church, get your vision back, get your life back, get your sight back, get your faith back, get your joy back, get your praise back. God's not finished with you yet. And life is tough sometimes. It's frustrating so often. We're limited regularly. And I actually think sometimes if you would just see the frustration and the limitation as maybe God's plan to wake you up, to wake you up rather than us fall asleep. I felt God talk to me this week about the church. That limitation and frustration is the great alarm clock that He's allowing us to experience so that we would wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die for He has not seen our deeds complete in the sight of our God. Wake up. Turn person next to you and say, wake up. Frustration, limitation is not that you are out of the will of God. There are times where that may be the case. But more than often, I think it's God trying to wake you up. Ecclesiastes, Solomon, the wisest man said this, frustration is better than laughter. Frustration is better than laughter. How is that? Well, I think frustration is the nutritional, nutritional equivalent of eating your vegetables rather than eating dessert. The truth is we would rather eat dessert than eat vegetables. Most of us would. But Solomon is saying that frustration is actually good for you because what frustration moves you towards is wisdom, hunger, and expectation. Let me explain why. Because I actually am convinced that the greatest enemy to a healthy church and a healthy Christian is not Satan. He is defeated. 
Stop fighting with the one that doesn't control your future. Stop talking about the one that doesn't control your destiny. I believe the greatest enemy to a healthy Christian and a healthy church is comfortability, is complacency, is familiarity, and is apathy. And and I don't think God brought about this weird last few years that we're having, but I believe God is in the limitation and restriction because God can do more with a few hungry people than He can thousands of people that are slowly going to sleep as the church of Jesus Christ. We need to wake up, we need to rise up, we need to shake up, we need to stand up and we need to get our vision back because we can be here but not be here. We can be the church but not be the church. We can have faith but not have expectation and we can slowly be going to sleep rather than rising as the giant that God's called us to be. You may be limited, you may be frustrated, but stop focusing on that. Allow it to be the medicine to your soul that allows you to get your hunger again, allows you to rise up again, allows you to stand again, allows you to pray again. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek seek my faith, turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. I believe God is saying, it's time to humble ourselves. It's time to turn from the way we're going. It's time to seek His face. It's time that the church woke up and stopped looking at the frustration and the isolation and the limitation and get your spiritual hunger back again. Come on, church. Here's what happens. Spiritual hunger works the opposite to natural hunger. We're fasting right now. We've got a few days to go. Thank you, Jesus. But man, it's made my spirit alive. When you're hungry, you get more hungry. The more hungry I am, the more I wanna eat. But the kingdom is different to our natural earth, where when I don't read the Word, I actually don't wanna read the Word more. I only get a desire for reading the Word by reading the Word. It's actually when I feel myself, I get more hungry. See, it's why when you're walking to worship sometimes, it's why it's important to try to get here, some variation of close to on time, because what, the more you worship, the more you want to worship. The more you pray, the more you want to pray, but the least you pray, the less spiritually hungry you are to pray. Hunger works the opposite way. And what we need to do as a church is we need to get our hunger back for the supernatural of God, for the more of God. And it doesn't come by just saying, oh, I should be more hungry. No, you've got to pray to get more hungry. You've got to read to get more hungry. You've got to come to get more hungry. If you haven't come back to church yet, you'll notice it's harder to come back to church when you haven't been in church. But the more you've been in church, the more you wanna be in church. Because as you eat on the Word of God, as you fellowship with others, it actually creates an appetite on the inside of you. But when there is a limitation and a frustration, you'll be more drawn towards the limitation and the frustration. But instead, you have to wake up. Everyone say, wake up and move yourself to expectation and hunger. We've got to see limitation as a gift from God. He uses it all through the Bible. I mean, the fish and the bread was the example of not enough to feed 5,000, but in the hands of a God that Jesus grabs the what's not enough and He gives thanks to God for it and there's multiplication. Imagine if some of us, God gave you fish and bread in your home life. It may actually not be fish and bread, but it may be something that's limiting you and frustrating you and you're spending more time complaining than thanking and that's 
why you haven't seen the multiplication because you're looking at it from the wrong perspective. For some of us, all we've got is an almond stick. All we've got is a staff in our hand against an empire and against a Red Sea. And we're saying there's no way through. But the point of Moses holding his staff is God wanted to make a way where there was no way. Some of us have only got the jawbone of a donkey against an army and it's a limitation. But put the jawbone of a donkey in a praying man or woman's hand and I tell you, there can be an almighty victory. Some of us are looking at the cloud on the horizon and it's the size of a man's hand and it's not enough for what you need. So you're not moving. But when you see the cloud the size of a man's hand, you start running because there's an almighty revival rain that's coming. If you can recognise what seems like limitation and rise up in hunger and expectation, God will do something supernatural. What has seemed like a letdown is really a turnaround. If you would just see the opportunity in the misfortune, in the limitation, in the restriction, because God's not finished with you yet. We've got a church that knows Scripture. When I am weak, I'm but it actually has to become a mantra we live by, a belief we have in our spirit that His grace is sufficient for me, for His power works best in my weakness. So if that's true, why do we run when we're weak? Why do we stop when we're poor? Why don't we keep going when we're limited? The moment you see frustration and imitation and isolation and limitation, it's there that you should have your spirit rise and go, oh my gosh, God's about to turn up. God's about to move. An ocean's about to part. Multiplication's about to come. Victory's on the horizon. The reign of the Holy Spirit's about to pour out. It's time that the church don't retreat, but rise up, stand up, fight again, because God is in the limitation. Come on, the story of Gideon. The story of Gideon is one that, of a man that was not enough, but God wanted to show his power to someone that was obedient. It's in this season God's looking for obedience, even more than resilience. He's looking for obedience. The truth is limitation in our life is just the great checkup. Like when the oil light comes on in the car, you don't get rid of the car. You don't quit driving. You get a checkup and you get filled up. I'm gonna speak to some Christians that are watching right now online. The oil light's flashing, so you stop driving. It's time to get filled up. Like, I don't, have the, I don't have the hunger. There's too many options. I haven't been in a while. I've, I've been embarrassed. No, just come in and get filled up and watch you start seeing your life go full speed again. Don't look to the past. Don't look for an excuse. Don't look for a limitation, but turn frustration and limitation into hunger and expectation. Come on, everyone say expectation. I mean, have you ever been to a conference? And at conference, it's like the worship's that much better. It's like the people are that much louder. It's like the Word is so much greater. Come on, have you ever gone to a conference before and you're like, whoa, that was incredible? Why is it? Is it conference Jesus? Is it that suddenly there's a double portion? You know what it is? It's that people turn up with an expectation. The difference of what often happens when someone's walking to church and we've got no expectation, so we walk out and how was it? Well, it met my expectation. I didn't have any and I'm 
disappointed me. And there's others that have walked in so broken and alone and hurting and sick and needing a miracle from God. And they're the ones that are on their knees pushing in from God. And they should be in the worst of circumstances. Their spirit should be the lowest. But you see them when they walk out of church and they're the ones that's declaring the miracle working power of God. They're walking out in faith. They're walking out saying, man, I got something from that today. What is the difference? The difference is expectation. Faith without works is? I believe you can have faith and not see your miracle. Because the difference between faith and saying, no, I'm going to respond, I'm going to respond, I'm gonna respond, I'm gonna respond. That works, that response. The difference between faith and that response is expectation. Because expectation says, while I have faith, God can do it. I believe it's for me. So many have faith God can do it, but they don't think He'll do it for you. And God wants you to know He not only can do it, He can do it for you. I believe this. I believe you can have faith without expectation, but I don't think you can have expectation without faith. And what you need to get is expectation that God's gonna do it in you because if you've got faith in the Word and who Jesus is and then apply expectations for you, it will take you to a response where you take the mask off your eyes and you begin to run after the promises and the potential that God has for your life because you know it's for you. Are you doing okay? The Canaanite woman, she had faith in Jesus. But the reason she kept on getting, the reason she got her miracle It's because she kept on persisting and asking and convincing and looking. And even if it was just a crumb, she was gonna get it because while she had faith in Jesus, she had an expectation it was for her. The people that crowded around Jesus, they wanted to see Jesus, they had spectation. But the woman with the issue of blood, spectation wasn't enough for her. She wanted transformation. So she didn't just watch Jesus or be in the crowd around Jesus because she wanted a transformation. She had an expectation that made her touch Jesus. When Jesus goes into Jairus' house, it's filled with people that were there, people that came to see Jesus, but it's one thing to have spectation. So he didn't want spectators. He didn't even just want people just with faith. He kicked everyone out of the room that had an expectation that this girl could live. I believe God can do more with a couple of people with expectation than thousands of people that just came up for the show. I believe God can do more with one or two that have an expectation that He is true to His Word. He will do what He says. He won't finish until He says it's finished, that His promises are yes and amen, that He can do exceedingly abundantly above anything I ask, think or imagine, which leads me to not only have faith, but it leads me to the action of ask, think and imagine that God can do it for me. God wants the church to rise up and create an environment of expectation that when the rest of the world comes with intimidation, when the rest of the world comes with doubt, when the rest of the world's living in fear, when the rest of the world and the media and the news are talking about the problems that's on the horizon, we should be the people, we should be the church that's light in darkness, that says, while that's true out there, I'm in deeper waters, I'm in a different position, I see things differently because I know God can and I know God will for me. So the word God gave me for you today was the story of Peter. That point is Simon in Luke chapter five and he's been fishing all night and he's caught nothing. 
And the problem is he's now in the shallows. I want to speak prophetically to some people that you've been fishing and you've been waiting and you've been holding on, but you've gone to the shallows because you haven't caught anything. And Jesus turns up and he says, Peter, come on, let's catch some fish. And Peter's like, the problem is Jesus. I've been fishing all night. I've done everything I can and I can caught nothing. Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. All Peter can see is empty nets. All you can see is an empty dining table. All you can see is an empty future. All you can see is an empty bank balance. All you can see is an empty health report. All you can see is an empty next day. And Peter's looking at the empty nets, but I like Simon, because even though he can see empty nets, he says, but, everyone say, but. He says, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. I think the key here is Jesus says, Peter, Simon, we're going to deeper waters. Let me tell you, the answer won't be found in the shallows. The answer won't be found when you're alone. The answer won't be found when you've retreated. The answer won't be found when you've lost your vision. He says, Peter, I can see something that you can't see. So get yourself to a place where you can't stand on your own two feet. Get yourself to a place where it's sink or swim. Get yourself to a place of faith and expectation. You see, later on, Peter does the same thing. He goes fishing again and he has another empty night and Jesus turns up in the morning. Notice this, Jesus turns up when? In the morning when He's fished all night and He's the most hungry. Sometimes God will allow you to have a limitation to get you hungry. Sometimes He's allowed you to walk through what you've walked through so that your spirit will get hungry. And this time He says, put your nets out on the other side. You've tried it in a natural way. He's now tried to do it my supernatural way. Go into the deeper waters. Go to a place where you seek my face. Change your position. Change your perspective. This is why the Holy Spirit led Jesus Jesus to a place of solitude. This is why Jesus led Peter to deeper waters. This is why He led Moses to the mountaintop. This is why He led Elijah to the edge of a cave and Abraham to the edge of a tent and Joshua to the edge of camp. Because sometimes you've got to see what only the Holy Spirit can see. Sometimes you've got to get to a place where you see your promised land. Sometimes you've got to get to a place where you hear the whisper. Sometimes you have to get to a place where you can see the stars. Sometimes you're gonna get to a place where you see the victory. Come on, every campus, stand to your feet. I believe God's wanting you to get your vision back, to get your perspective back, to get your supernatural sight back. Man, maybe you've been fishing all night. Maybe you've done all you can. And maybe you're the hungriest, the emptiest, the loneliest, the most confused you've ever been. But I believe He's come. And He said, now watch this. It's time to push in. It's time to push off. It's time to go. Come on, shut your eyes right across this place. What do you see? Do you see the lack? Do you see the frustration? Do you see the limitation? Do you see the hurt? Do you see the rejection? Do you see the pain? Do you see where God hasn't come through? That stuff's real. Peter wasn't crazy. He had empty nets. But Jesus saw the empty nets and He saw the harvest on the other side. I believe 
that in this weird season where people have retreated and pulled away, rejected and isolated, I believe that right now the church should be its hungriest. I believe we should pray like never before. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. And that wake up and strengthen what remains. For I've not found this fishing expedition. I've not found their works complete in the sight of my God. I've not seen it finished yet. It's time to wake up and strengthen what remains. It's time to push out into deeper waters. It's time to chuck the net on the other side. It's time to seek. It's time to declare. It's time to gather. It's time to pray. It's time to believe, but not just faith that He can, but an expectation that He'll give it to you. So I want you to hold in your hand what you have. It may not be enough. It may just be the strength to stand. It may just be a bit of faith. It may just be the little bit you have. And I want you in this environment to give thanks for it. I want you to say right now, God, I thank You that You're in the limitation. I thank You that You're in the not enough, but I thank You that You are more than enough. I thank You that You are exceedingly abundantly. So I come with gratitude and thanks. I posture my heart with praise, but now I come and seek Your face. I'm pushed to that deeper water. I go to the place where I cannot stand and I ask Your Holy Spirit to do what I cannot do. God, for Your people, Pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes and my past, and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did, And when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father. He's a friend. And you can invite Him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm going to say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what? Maybe He's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy, and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. 
You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace and the word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey. Why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you. And we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.